0: baby knowledge podcast network on episode 66 of the insure tech geek podcast talking about streamlined insurance for businesses with Gloria Vanzo from pouch The InsurTech Geek Podcast, powered by JB Knowledge, is all about tech that's transforming and disrupting the insurance world. We'll be interviewing guests and doing deep dives into specific tech we see changing the industry. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech, so enjoy the ride and geek out. And we are back again. Good to see everybody. October the first. It is Friday, October the first, as we record this. It's a beginning of a rainy weekend here in Texas, but uh, should be uh, should be a good one. Of course, we have all of our usual fall favorites, and of course, since it's October, that means it's officially pumpkin spice time. That's right. It is time for pumpkin spice lattes, pumpkin spice coffee, pumpkin spice butter, pumpkin spice pancakes. Pumpkin spice, everything. Gloria, you like the pumpkin spice?
1: Not as much. I mean, I I enjoy Man. it, but it isn't you know as important as it ought to be. So I probably need to figure that. People
0: are super into pumpkin spice. I mean, every coffee shop in the country is the advertising hashtag #PSL right now.
1: And it is. I mean, I do get my excitement out of my trader job trips out of it, right? I go and I look for my pumpkin things, but but it's not the center of the universe for me. Yeah. I understand for some people it's three months. Some people, But, you this know, is... a, girl, but a girl's got to have some spots somewhere. That's mine. That's
0: fine. Yeah, yeah. Pumpkin spice, big deal. Uh, big deal in this household, pumpkin spice. Of course, pumpkins don't actually make a spice. <laughs> the irony is this is a mix of spices that happen to come around when pumpkins are harvesting, and somehow some marketing genius called it a pumpkin spice, and uh,
1: and it's a really genius American spice combination. You only find that in the U.S. mostly. So yeah. you know what? It, yeah. it is. It is incredibly valuable.
0: Yeah, that. it is valuable. Of course, I'm I'm a fan of Moroccan spices. I like. I've made my own Moroccan spice blend. I think that's pretty amazing. But you don't see a whole month for Moroccan spices. I think there should be. But... I
1: think there could be a revenue opportunity <laughs> there. I think you're missing a window.
0: Yeah. So Rob, as of a month ago, you uh, you uh, moved on to your own thing. Tell everybody what's uh, what's new in your job world.
2: I am. Yeah. Thanks, James. Yeah. Um, so I uh, am officially licensed as an insurance futurist. Yes, there is such a license. I'm, I'm kidding. But uh, no, I'm excited. I've ventured <laughs> out. Of... I was going to say, uh, <laughs> no way. <laughs> I'm a CBCU and an uh, insurance futurist license.
0: CBCU CIPCUIF. That's right.
2: That's right. <laughs> no, I, I uh, you know, I, I've been just uh, supported by a tens of folks over the past two and a half years since the book launch. It's something I've wanted to do for a long time. Uh, the pandemic kind of uh, interrupted, as you might imagine, and uh, now with the uh, return of in-person events and in uh, business travel and everything it was time to launch uh, my own thing. So um, yeah, uh, happy to connect and, and share more with folks. But I do a lot of things from obviously give keynotes. I actually facilitate innovation workshops um, and uh, I do a lot of mentoring. I, I do a lot of work. It's kind of bespoke for clients, small and large. So it's an exciting time after 25 years of working in corporate America and many big companies and and. Uh, uh, I've also worked for uh, the government, the Environmental Protection Agency, and Federal Reserve Board in the past. So uh, it's uh, a huge relief to actually be out on my own. So very exciting times here. That's awesome. Congratulations! That's really great. Yeah. So
0: uh, con- congratulations. Of course, studio audience is really excited for you and uh, excited about your new launch. Uh, if you want more information, of course, go to uh, endofinsurance.com. dot com. You can get a hold of uh, of Rob Galbraith and talk to the most interesting man in insurance. You can. He can be yours for a fee now, so uh, you can you can you can consult with him and uh, and have have a have a chat. Now with us, joining us from the Dallas Fort Worth Airport, and we're so thankful that she squeezed us into her busy travel schedule. Uh, it is so good to see uh, Gloria Vanso, uh, Gloria. Thank you for joining us on the Insurtech Geek Podcast. She's co-founder and COO of Pouch. Gloria, thanks again for joining.
1: Thank you, guys. It's a real pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, we had a Texas Triangle. We got San Antonio, College Station, and uh, Grapevine. Of course, you're in DFW, which most people don't know. Uh, if you're not from Texas, that it's its own city. Uh they 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 legally incorporated a city there. Of course, Gloria is just a few minutes away in beautiful Grapevine, Texas. my friends by the way, the Bonarigos have a beautiful wine place in Grapevine. They have a uh, it's called Messina Hof. It's uh Texas Texas yeah, winery. Yeah. on the
1: other side. Yeah. We're we're right inside Grapevine. So yeah, I know I know exactly where that is. Yeah.
0: At. Yeah, go go check that out if you want some good Texas wine. That's right. Texas makes wine. Texas makes everything. Don't ever forget that and uh We have highlands and lowlands and hill country and flatlands and coastal. Remember, it's 1,000 miles across, 1,000 miles up and down it's the eighth largest economy on the planet, and uh, it is the place that the three of us call home. Uh, we are glad to have Gloria uh, on the show, and we're going to get back to her in just a second. A reminder that uh, before we get started on our interview, that you can subscribe to the InsureTech Geek Podcast by texting "Geek Out" to six six eight six six. Make sure you never miss an episode. Just text "Geek Out" to six six eight six six. Back to Gloria. She did go to Virginia Tech. She got a master's in business from College of William and Mary, a very, very, very old school here in the United States. But she has a fascinating background before that in athletics. And so I just actually wanted to start there because, uh, it's all, I I think there's a lot of lessons, life lessons learned in athletics that we take through the rest of our lives. So tell me about your childhood and kind of what led you to be a a pro athlete and, and go to what is now called IMG Academy. Uh, tell me about that, that journey.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I, you know, I wasn't any different than being the youngest child um, in a family who was hyperactive. And when we were all little, our parents made decisions to put us in sports because that was a good outlet. And so my, my oldest sibling played tennis. My mom said, go right in there. And it turns out that I have really good high-night coordination. And so I picked up the sport pretty quickly. Tennis is an interesting sport because it does happen between the two ears more than any other and it is often underestimated because it is a very lonely sport. So you do get to troubleshoot all by yourself, which is by far the most unique skill you need when you decide to do entrepreneurship. There's just you yourself and maybe one more person. And so I think if I look back at my history and that journey and it's still it, the, the other thing is so great about tennis. It is a lifetime sport. I mean I still play it all the time. I still have people that I've known for 30 years. The community extends up to your 80 years old. You can still play nationals, which is just so remarkable to get to learn from these people. So I troubleshoot well because I've been doing it for 25 years.
0: Yeah. One of my favorite books on learning is The Inner Game of Tennis, written in the 70s, I believe, uh, by a tennis coach who realized that the less he said, the better of a coach he was, and really taught people how to learn by observing And then letting your body, your second self, as he talks about, uh, respond to that. And, uh, certainly I I learned, uh, a lot about how to learn, uh, from a book about tennis. Yeah. Tennis is really just an amazing sport. And it is one thing, uh, now I'm currently down for the count with an ankle surgery, so I can't play tennis right now, but I also love, I I go to, I grew up, uh, going to Latin America, my entire childhood and I, and I have been operating in Argentina for 20 years. And, uh, and so I I love this crazy game called Paddle that I'm a, I'm like a hardcore addict of. Have you had a chance to play Paddle? And if so, what do you think?
1: I like it. I like it a lot. I play pickleball as well. Yeah. So because in, in Texas and in Grapevine, pickleball is a great thing. Yeah. So and I love it. it. It it does bring a third dimension. Yeah. You know. So like I said, if I've been fortunate, my hand eye coordination just lets me get away with everything. So I've enjoyed it. We it's just that Paddle in Dallas is only one club that has two courts. Yeah. Same so it's actually quite, quite limited. So that's why it's like tennis or pickle. And then pickle is a great way to be part of my community. You know, I Grapevine, like you were mentioning, uh, for those folks who don't know, Grapevine is the Christmas capital of Texas. So we have a very, very tiny community. And so pickleball is how I get around with my neighbors. And so there's a text message going around. We all get together. We have, we have tournament courts which yep. I think is a huge luxury, um, and we love it. So uh, pickle is my alternative because it is hard to get paddle here and there.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I gotcha. I love pickleball, super fun. So let's let's jump in. After your undergrad in, in economics and your master's in business, you jumped straight into a product role at Progressive Insurance. What about in the insurance industry attracted you to go there? Obviously, with a econ degree and an MBA, uh, you can go into pretty much any field. What attracted you to Progressive?
1: So I think it's just the people. This story is always fun for people to hear. So my first interview was Kay Terry, the founder, the co-founder of Surround Insurance. And my second interview was Steve McKay, which is my co-founder at Pouch. So that just gives you a sense of what that place was like. Um, there's just an amazing group of talent at the Richmond office. I met these people and I fell in love with them. And then I also understood that I was what I call or refer to as a late bloomer in my education. Uh, When I was a professional athlete, I did swing a tennis racket to pay for my school. And so athletics and academics were sort of weighted equally, but you know, academics were not my number one. It was one in one or like, you know whatever we're gonna call it. And so when I got out of there, I had the opportunity to realize I was actually quite quantitative, and I did have a passion for data. And at the time, Progressive was leading the world when it came to underwriting sophistication and the operating model. They had the general management model set up, and it was really great. And and so I hit it off with Kate. I started my. She was my first boss at Progressive, and I worked for her. And then that's really when my journey between technology and insurance, you know, got got going. And and I haven't look back
0: every time. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean that that's really what hooked me on insurance too was the people I met, the relationships I formed, the friendships I formed. I had one of my life life mentors in insurance was uh just over here in College Station this week. Uh you know, and, uh, visiting visiting me and my partner and it, it just uh it's just what we do, right? We go see him all the time. He comes and sees us. We travel together. You go you know going on trips with people. I mean, it's a very 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 people-centric business because you're, um, you know, building systems that carry risk for the planet, right? And uh, risk requires trust and trust requires relationships. Uh, It it just, it kind of, the the nature of this business uh, lends it to be, if you're really into connections and relationships and people, it's a wonderful business to be in. You you went through a few other uh, places like Dry Factor, Acceptance Insurance, you were a product leader at Lightspeed, then you went over to USAA for a couple of years, got into risk management solutions at Solera. So walk me through those progressions. Like, What were you looking for? What did you learn along the way in those, in those different uh, stops?
1: Yeah, for sure. So my experience at Progressive was rather unique because I actually got an opportunity through Steve who said, hey, don't you have a life in retail? We're sending people devices now. This is uh, back when you know, Snapshot was called rate, right, right? So it wasn't even Snapshot yet. And so I realized there was this world where technology needs product and there was a delivery mechanism. So after, I, after Steve transitioned out of Progressive to found Job Factor, Steve said, hey, do you want to come and do product here? So DriveFactor was actually founded by Steve and Mac, um, and it was a, a telematics provider and what I tend to refer to as the first wave of insured tech. Those were the companies that were primarily B2B, and they were primarily providing support and, and, and products to insurance companies as they were looking to enhance. From there, I realized that having grown up at Progressive is a huge luxury, but that running an insurance company without the degree of telemetry and machine was going to be a different animal. And I really learned that through our customers at DriveFactor. So, I went and had an opportunity to run a small carrier, uh, the product team at a super regional carrier, and it was an exceptional experience. So, really getting an opportunity to do product in a non-standard just teaches you so much, both about claims and underwriting, that you really don't know as much because progressive has this amazing machine that just generates rate, right? Because they have so much accuracy and so much fidelity. And so I learned that through my customers, I needed to get some more of that. Then uh, there was a need in the market, the data that was coming out of you know, Lexus and Veris was super fragmented and I wanted a 90 second quote and I needed to buy like nine products and like spend a disgusting amount of money to get to a really fast quote. So I went to Veris to build Lightspeed, which essentially empowers you to to do a 90 second quote. Again, use that data to make the world better in a simple way. And then from that, there was this opportunity to go and and really enable what could have been a a vehicle ecosystem at USA. This is an aspiration the organization had for a very long time. And since I had experience with the various data exchange, I'd experience at drive factor, you know, taking the data from raw to normalize and delivering that for insurance, it, it was a really nice opportunity to bring that together inside an ecosystem. And we were able also to advance USA's aspirations to have a safe driving program with telematics. So the, the safe pilot program was part of what the team that I was a part of built. And then I got really frustrated with claims. Claims didn't make any sense. The more and more I played in the claim space as I related to what I did, I realized that there was a lot of fracture in the workflow and that a lot of the waste that was engaged in claims associated with poor service was actually fractured workflow, that the customer didn't have the proper handoff points because there were so many hands touching different things and there was no connectivity. So at Solera, uh, there was a huge opportunity to take Capture as a workflow solution across the entire life of the claim all the way from prior to even FNOL, which is bringing telematics data in, all the way through salvage, if there was a salvage claim. So I have chosen my career path to learn the entire flow of insurance, which certainly has been uh, intentional. I think we have lots of specialization in our industry. There's some amazing experts, but we are unable to serve our customers as effectively as we can. We don't understand their journey. So I've spent a lot of time in my career pulling data forward at different spots in the journey, And at some point, I realized, okay, we can't continue to do this in a decoupled way. We need to be able to bring experiences that are both coverage-centric and experience-centric for the customer. And so that's kind of how you see the demarcation in my career. It's actually been functional roles outside the organization that have enabled me to to kind of pile the pieces together.
0: Yeah. And I know uh, Rob was at uh, USAA, and he's there in San Antonio. And I think he actually has a question related to y'all's mutual uh, former employer.
2: Sure. I do, Gloria. It's, 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 it's funny. Just as a quick aside. So. USA has over thirty thousand employees, of which I think half of those have worked in offices in San Antonio. So inevitably, right, run into folks at HEB, which is our local supermarket, or other places. Oh, do you know so and so? Yeah. And you're like, yeah. There's a ninety nine point five percent chance I don't know that person. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's kind of funny we we overlapped in a, a, for a year's time and, and never had the opportunity to 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 meet. So it's great to uh, to finally uh, meet you, even though we were we were teammates un- unknowingly uh, back in in 1718. But speaking of which, I actually just uh, spoke with somebody that may work there um, earlier this week and and um, you know enjoys the company and all that, but has have an opportunity to make the leap, uh, has an offer or a, a, an opportunity with an insure tech and was just kind of asking me you know my thoughts on kind of the the pros and cons. So um, this is a, a question that happened to be with this gentleman, but you know I do get uh, quite a bit, and so you know based on your experience working both for some large insurance carriers, but then also for some, some smaller companies. And now obviously, you know, with your startup, maybe you could just share with the audience. If there are folks out there that are working for a traditional incumbent and, and thinking about making the change. I, 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 there's pros and cons just that there are for any decision. So, yeah, I just kind of would love to hear your thoughts on um, somebody that's out there that whether they're thinking about starting their own firm or, or going to work for a startup from an incumbent, you know, what are the pros and cons as you see it?
1: Yeah, so that's a, that's a really great question. And that's a question I get very often offline as well. So So thank you for the opportunity to kind of answer it. I'm going to talk about the way that I weight this personal experience, and then I'm going to give advice to folks who might have grown up in a more traditional corporate American environment. So I'm an immigrant. I'm the children of immigrants. And my father was an entrepreneur. So I did not realize that my dad did not have a paycheck until I was 28 years old, where he actually asked me, so how does that work? How do you get a paycheck? And that was a really surprising conversation because I had taken for granted the fact that I had grown up in that household. And I think many of us do that. We don't realize that. So I would say do an analysis about what your background is and that your individual truth might be there about what your true appetite might be, right? I chose to do corporate America, actually, because I got tired of being my dad's daughter. My dad was a very successful man. And so I actually wanted to create my own path. And I it my own family to then just go back and do what, what we do. And so I think this is a really honest way to say to yourself, wait, this is always something I've been passionate about. There's some people who are amazing and pick that up right out of their family. But, but that's just that was my weird journey to get there. And it was always in my DNA. That's the short story. Um, the second piece is what you're passionate about. I think for me, you know, recently I, I spoke in, a, in another podcast, speed of delivery and solving the problem is probably one and two for personal satisfaction for me when it comes to my career. And so you have to rank what your personal satisfaction is about. Now, it doesn't preclude me from wanting to work with amazing people. But I think in a corporate environment, those two things are just naturally not as prioritized because there's a sheer size and volume of people that need coordination. So if you find that the coordination exercise and if you find that that support system inside corporate America is providing you a great deal of satisfaction, then that's not something that you can easily trade off. And people don't have that conversation openly because what happens is in the other side of the equation whether it's a smaller company or whether it's an insured tech, you're going to have to be independent. You're going to have to lead more. So the counter is, if you feel like you want more, if you feel like you want to lead, if you feel like you can put more pieces of the puzzle together, then definitely insured tech is incredibly satisfying because any, anybody in my shoes needs anyone to do nine different functions. And so if that's what gets you going, if you're one of those people that has the multi-puzzle thing and, and you find yourself like, oh man, I wish I could do this person's like, thing. Or if you find like helping this person in your office doing their role because you're excited about it and you want more, um, I think that's a really good demarcation to continue to have the conversation. Insurance tech is not as risky as it used to be anymore. Like when I went to drive factor man, our budget was tight. I remember that there was a lot of things. We have very established insured techs now. And so I think the risk threshold profile is different. And if you can have that conversation openly with your family, I think the risk profile looks different and, and you should do it. And last but not least, new is not bad for me, but it's very unpredictable and I thrive in it. Unpredictable stuff is great, great things I can thrive in maybe not so much for other people. So if new is complex or if new is not your thing, then perhaps intro tech might not be the way to go.
2: Yeah, I think that's a terrific answer. Right? And um, yeah, like I said, there's there's definitely pros and cons. And uh, I think it's important, right, to ask the right questions because not all startups are, are equal. They're at different stage of maturity. They have different cultures. I think sometimes a startup, right, you can be working some very long hours or you can be working you know, uh, more traditional hours that might be compatible with what you're doing on, on your incumbent. So, yeah, I, I definitely think it's it's not for everyone, but it is for certain folks. And it's just another avenue rather than a lot of the traditional incumbents. Quite frankly, if you go from a progressive to a USA whatever, it's actually not that different a work environment. Uh, but certainly if you go to a, a, a startup, it can be. And, you know, the final thing I'll kind of mention is the, the stigma. Right. I think Folks like myself. It's like, Hey, you grew up, you kind of had this lifetime employment. And I do think that a lot of incumbents, quite frankly, kind of taken for granted, you know, USA and San Antonio is a big fish in a small pond or or was for many years, but there's so many more opportunities now folks working remote, et cetera. I think a lot of incumbents need to rethink their talent strategy because quite frankly, some of their more talented people are the ones that are going to be more inclined to leave. And so it's like, okay, we, we have this retention problem and it goes both ways. A, we're losing good people, but B, the people that are staying with us actually may be our least innovative, our least creative. And again, that's a blanket statement. That's not true for everyone. But who's walking out the door? Is that some of your your you know future leadership that you know in the past, right, if Staying with the company thirty years, you know, would have made it up to a, a senior level. So I think a lot of incumbents haven't really come to grips yet with, hey, it's not a bottomless ocean of, of folks out there, and you actually do have to compete for talent.
1: There's just one more thing I'll add to that, which is investment banking is having to pay more and improve environment to compete with the tech firm. I think that's pretty alarming, and I think that's a really good signal. The second one is there is a misunderstanding between having a pizza party and having good working environment. You know, we get a lot of talent who work for us because we do keep good hours. But we have highly engaged senior staff with training and educating teams. And that's what people are looking for. They want mentors at their jobs and they want to grow. And so I think that that whole idea of come to be in a meeting at the end of the week and you've got it done, that, that so that's become incredibly old style and it doesn't really fit the need of the new employees.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's a good good discussion. Um, let's Let's pivot now and actually talk about what you're doing different. What makes pouch and and uh this company what makes it insurtech first off like why is it not just yet another insurance company i mean and and the line between insurance carrier and insurtech is getting a little blurred because so many mainline carriers are adopting so much technology to come to combat startups so help me understand what makes pouch uh insurtech and uh what have you done there that have, that really is uh is dramatically different than, than others in the space?
1: Yeah, so I think I'll start with the back of the house first. So we have an open platform implementation for SaaS, and we have six different SaaS interactions together um, that took a month and a half to put together. So I think speed of delivery makes us ensure tech by definition. Um, our tech stack is also connected to four individual telematics connections. So as in tiny insignificant MGA, we have more telematics connections than the large carriers. Um, and we're really proud of that, but that's because of the way we built it. Um, I think we're also different because we're using technology that's already in the market that consumers value. For example, a relationship with the product line Force by Moheo, which is already purchased by small business owners to track their vehicles. And we don't ask them to change anything. Just give the customer the product and we take care of the data. So they manage the customer experience and we use the data embedded. And I think that makes those insure tech as well. This is not generally how it's done in telematics. The carrier wants to put its brand forward. It wants to sort of say, this is our telematics app, or this is our telematics product. We're breaking that convention. In commercial auto, that's rather easy to do because companies like Geotab, Verizon, Ford, everybody's got commercial connections already existing. So it wasn't hard. We didn't have to convince customers that they needed the product. they were already buying it. So I think that makes this difference. And then last but not least, um, we have aspirations of coverage flexibility. So we are building the coverages that we believe are needed in the market on our paper and our on our fronting and our, our reinsurance capacity. But we're also partnering with companies like Coterie and Symbol to provide a flexible bundle irrespective of where the relationship is born so the customer gets the coverage that it needs. So I think for us, it's coverage, it's technology, and it's as well as, as, well as approach.
0: And you're starting with only coverage in Arizona and Illinois, is that correct?
1: That is correct. And we are now fast follow. It takes us about six weeks to get a state out. So now we're going to do Georgia and Texas next.
0: Nice. That's good to see you coming to the great state of Texas. Obviously, I know as a resident, you want to see that happen as well. Yep. What's the experience like for the client? Because I'm I mean, I, you know, I'm a business owner. I've got, two, yeah. I've, I've got 253 employees. I have people that drive. I've got, you know, so I, I've had to buy commercial auto for a long time. What's the experience like for me different than what I do right
1: now? Well, I think there's a couple of things we have to acknowledge about commercial that perhaps is the curve of maturity that we're looking to bring forward. So small business owners with under 10 vehicles have a distinctive need. They're about 52% of the commercial auto premium. Let's define them as light local. Um, those guys sometimes the need for what we call a light package. So it's sort of a simplified package. As you move into property, you have that Bob need. So it's different for you because we do have what we call the guided experience. It takes about three minutes from buy from pouch, about a minute and 42 seconds or 43 to get a quote. So really simple, easy coverages to understand, very simplistic way to execute, very simple way to put in your credit card information and purchase. But when we launched, we went B2B as well. So agents have the same access and the same visibility as we do for, b, uh, for B2B. for b So we decided that was really important. So when we go to a state, we go to agents and we go direct. And then third, if you have an existing relationship with Geotab or you're a Mojo customer, you do have access to our coverage and we pay for your software. So I think part of what we're trying to do is to bring additional value. Um, a charter for me as a founder is I want to move insurance from past rating to forward rating. And I want to use real-time data to begin to do advice on safety and prevention. And so I think for me, that's a big component of what we're building at Pouch. And so it's easier. You get free software and hardware to track your your vehicles. You know what your vehicles are at. And there's a host of features, by the way. You can tell your next customer you're coming. You can do uh, maintenance alerts. You can do all kinds of things that these amazing companies have already built. And customers love the product. Yeah. So it's about safety and prevention. And it's easy to buy.
0: Yeah, I love it. I mean, I love... I, of course, as a lifelong software developer, love the fact that you're bundling in the software and hardware suite. Did you write that software and hardware suite? Or are you, are no, you...
1: no. We partner with companies. We And that's the four connections. Like if anybody's got a good product, customers are buying it. Because we had the experience from drive factor to take raw data, normalize it, and utilize it for an insurance score, and we have our own scores, we just did it. There was this moment where everybody was waiting for the cataclysmic event that all the data was going to be normalized, and it was going to look like credit. And we're like, dude, it's been 15 years. Like, it's not going to happen overnight. And so we decided to have unique scores by data types, because not all data seems produced the same. But the rating qualifications are the same. We're still talking about the same five safety rating variables. So we're also, our attitude is, I feel like when we started this was a, I don't want to say punitive, that is the incorrect thing, but it is about selection. When Progressive started these programs, it was about selecting the best drivers and offering them the best rate to get rid of the fat, Right. For us, it's actually about safety and prevention and putting information in front of the business owner. I have spoken to a customer who has a brother-in-law who has a problem. But it was a difficult conversation that no longer is a difficult conversation because the data says so.
0: Yeah, because it said he was <laughs> and, a bad driver. And,
1: It said that his behavior was risky and it could cost the business money. And that's all we're doing. We're putting this information forward to help businesses operate. One of the things you have to be really careful with small business, which I'm not saying it doesn't happen for personal, but in small business, you're also costing that owner's ability to protect and give his family a literal meal. Like that's their earning if they're not in that vehicle. So you have to be incredibly sensitive to speed. And so if I keep a customer safe, it isn't just about their well-being, but it's also about what they bring to their families. And that we're very passionate about that. Because when you support a business owner, you're also supporting their family. That's different than perhaps as we think about it in a personalized policy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I gave some now questions. I know Rob has the next question.
2: Rob? Yeah, Gloria. So I, I guess I'll package this kind of into two questions. So um, we'd love to have you talk a little bit more about... right. Personal lines and then commercial, we've seen a ton of digitalizing in the small commercial space, particularly in the last two or three years. We've talked to several uh, founders and startups that are in that. I'm curious, like how much is kind of emulating perhaps that personal lines experience? And then what are some differences? You mentioned um, the distribution, right, supporting uh, agent channel and direct, whereas a lot of folks like Progressive in USA, right, are primarily direct. I know Progressive has some agents out there. And then where do you see the future of small commercial? I know one of the challenges, particularly from an agent standpoint, is that, hey, it may take just as much time to really, you know, attract and retain uh, those types of businesses as it does a mid-market account or a larger account. And so, you know, from a, a commission standpoint, it just doesn't make sense. But yet, you know, if you give them the right digital tools, um, they can attract those businesses, and obviously, from a carrier perspective, these customers tend to be very sticky. They tend to be very profitable. It's really just kind of you know acquiring them and getting them. So, would love your thoughts kind of on where we're at, the evolution, and then where it's going.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, having had the fortune to have been at Progressive, where it had already had maturity and digitization, right? So I started working there. When there was, you know, already a website in 50 states, like it was a thing, right? It was very important what I learned about what is digitization, like maturity, right? When I worked at Progressive, the problems that we were solving were next-generation rating, which was telematics, while many customers, many competitors were still trying to figure out their digital journey. And so for us, uh, right now, our aspirations are, Matt, and meet match and meet the market when it came to digitization meaning enabling a digital quote, enabling digital transactions for self-service and enabling easy access to coverage. We're just market matching because frankly, that's table stakes. That's how we need to see it. What we're passionate about, really excited about is two different things. First is the right coverage for the right business class. So you guys may have seen in my LinkedIn, you know, I, I don't know if you met her, her name is Goody. She's our chief safety officer who happens to also be our mascot. I'm just going to show. I don't know if it's going to show, but it won't. But it's on my LinkedIn. And so Goody just got a huge revamp. And she is now supporting multiple business classes, which she's got a whole new wardrobe. And so the whole reason of us doing this is because we know that an electrician has a different need than a carpenter. And we know that a carpenter has a different need than a landscaper. And we know a landscaper who lives in the North Beach has a different work profile as a snow plier than you would in Texas. And so what we're really focused on is building the coverages around the dimension of the business so we can help them walk that journey as they evolve. Another big component of this, which I'm super excited about, is how many people are part of the gig economy and what is it that the coverage that they really need for the weekend protection? So you're actually going to see innovative policy approaches with personal lines and and business inclusions rather than exclusions. So people can have telematics and they can be on and off as needed. We need telematics for business so they can tell us, hey, I'm doing this gig, this wedding this weekend, and I need additional limits, and we're going to be there for them for that window. And so you're going to see on and off coverages associated with that. We're going to partner with companies. You know, Obviously, there's one that comes to mind that does very short-term policies, and so we're going to partner with them to make sure that their customers get discounts and they get the right coverage, while also having a very inclusive commercial, personal auto policy you're going to see us go there. We're really passionate about that. We're super excited, by the way, because we just got the first draft and it's great. Um, I think the evolution has to be to guided experiences. So I built Pouch. We didn't have a lot of time. We started building in January. We launched in May 11th. That was really important to me. We wanted to do it really quickly and we wanted to do it very well. And we realized that everything we had built, we built for the agents. We just never even thought about it. And so, for example, today, if you're on your agent portal, you can email to the customer. The customer can finish the quote and pay, and the agent gets the same permission, no problem. Yeah. And so we've built a lot of digitization for the agents on behalf of the agents for their customers.
0: Well, you know We how feel it.
1: that's really important. So I think this hybrid supportive approach is also a big thing for commercial.
0: And you know, you know how it is with business owners. We don't buy one line at a time.
1: No, we don't.
0: That's not how. That's not how business owners buy insurance. I sync all my renewal dates. In fact, I synced my personal lines and my commercial lines renewals so that because I use one brokerage for everything. All my personal lines, yep. all my and I have operations in in multiple countries, and so I synced it all to one renewal date. That's not twelve thirty one. By the way, <laughs> it's not a one one renewal, which is a, a nightmare of a renewal date. And and so you know we did that so that we could buy everything at once, but. I love the ability to quote, but certainly uh, tailoring the agent experience is important. So it sounds like you licensed policy software, you licensed claim software, you licensed telematics, and then you all did a month and a half of uh, stitching work to pull it all together into a company and a product uh, under, an, under an MGU. Is that, is that about correct?
1: Correct. So our fronting capacity and our reinsurance capacity comes from our investors. So that's one of the big things that has empowered Pouch to be as effective as we are. And you're going to see now, and I realize, Rob, you may know more about Multiply than James, but it's probably a good time to talk about it. So a press release will go out on Monday about a new company that I'm leading. Um, my relationship with Pouch is not ending. So Multiply, spell without the lettering, with a Y at the end. So it's MLP. <laughs> People really hate it, but it really works. M L Uh, CPLI, is going to be an accelerator. Uh, We are fully funded to both run operations and make investment capital. And our intention is to take seed companies to market in under six months. And very similarly, if Pouch were to look for a partner that would give a capital know-how technology stack fronting capacity as well as reinsurance capacity, we would be it. I've heard us being compared to uh, the guys at Booth, which is a huge comparison, please don't do that. Those guys are really great. The difference is, is that we're making a strategic investment and we're also uh, empowering this organization to move on on its own, right? So, so this is more of a strategic investment, guide it, get it out the door, and then they can grow. And so Multiply is already talking to two different potential investments that will be announced shortly. And you will see us. Pouch becomes a multiplied portfolio company. We already have another organization, Viva Segura. And then you will see the next portfolio company announcement come online very soon.
0: That's exciting. Where can we find out more information on Multiply?
1: The press release goes out on Monday. Website goes thereafter.
0: That's awesome. That's great. So we'll make sure to push that out so you guys can go check that out. Uh, Super interesting. Rob, let's uh, bring us home with our last question.
2: Yeah, Gloria. So um, I'm really fascinated uh, by kind of everything you're doing, both at Pouch and, and Multiply. Any final thoughts on kind of the, the future since you've been you know, an industry veteran, yet you're obviously shaping the future of the, the industry? Um, it feels like you're creating kind of a, almost like a turnkey at, at Multiply. Um, so I'm, I'm just curious, like, is this the way of the future? Are we going to still have incumbents in 10 years? What's your view? Well,
1: of course we will. Come on, we're a highly regulated space. So I'm going to tell you my aspirations are what I want people to talk about our industry. Right. So if, if I'm part of a meeting and you know, there's a banker who does like retail banking and there's a mortgage guy and then there's a gal who comes from tech and then there's me representing insured tech, I want them to tell the world about our industry as in like, look, you guys get your act together and you started operating more efficiently regardless of your regulation. You were really able to get some good ideas out to market fast and really make coverage a focus for customers so they have what they need it. Uh, I think from the pandemic, we all learned that customers need a protection that we have never contemplated, but it takes a long time. So I hope that in 10 years, we are operating as efficiently as other industries. I hope that in 10 years, we have the talent that is in insurance shining through because the environments are allowing them to deliver these things in a way that is efficient and highly gratifying. And I hope to see more companies um, have the support of companies like Multiply, right? So investors and entrepreneurs have a shore-up ability that they have this sort of guided opportunity because everybody needs a system, everybody needs a billing system, everybody needs filing. So if we all need that, why do we need to go redo it? Let's go focus on solving the problem. And that's really what I want people to say. Like, you guys figure that out. you were highly regulated, and you put that on a train track, and then you did some great innovation that was meaningful to consumers. That's what I want folks to say about our industry. I think we're knocking on the door. There's many wonderful companies doing fantastic work. We have a really bright bunch of people, and I just don't think that perhaps they don't get the respect because we're highly regulated and complicated. Uh, but in ten years, maybe maybe the banker will be like, yeah, that's right. You do guys do what we do in 30 days in like 30 seconds. So maybe they'll they'll take us seriously and say, yeah, you're. And, and investors are speaking by the way. The investment into insure tech is heavy because I think we're hitting some of those pillars in stride. And and I'm really uh, hopeful for our industry that that my peers and are going to make a big difference.
0: It's awesome. Great feedback. Rob, I know before we go for the show, and uh, this has been a great discussion with Gloria. Gloria, thank you so much for being on the show with us. Before we let you go, Rob, I know you had a couple of uh, news items.
2: I do. Yeah. So biggest news this week is that uh, Loop Insurance, and, and we talked to their co-founder, Carrie Ann not too long ago here on this podcast. Uh, they And they launched uh, in Texas in the middle of uh, August uh, they announced their Series A, 21 million bucks. So uh, a pretty good size Series A. So congratulations to Carrie Ann, John Henry, and the entire team at Loop Absolutely. Insurance. Love to see their launch and uh, I'm sure they'll have continued success. And then this is actually kind of under the radar for me. I, I happen to see it on LinkedIn this week announced, but it uh, Kind of refer back to the insurance journal from June, but uh, USA. We've mentioned them as uh, a the place Gloria and I both work. They acquired an insure tech called Nobler, who I admit I hadn't heard of, yes. to offer members usage based auto coverage. It kind of ties into some of the work you've been uh, talking about, Gloria, and um, I know that's uh, something that we've talked about quite a bit on this podcast. UBI, and you know, there's obviously questions about do you create your own or do you buy. So. Uh this is obviously USA making a big uh investment in Nobler and in usage based insurance, something they see sticking around.
0: Yeah, they're saying, Yeah, we're just gonna acquire that. <laughs>
1: Oh, I mean, it's a hundred million dollar transaction for thirteen states. Uh, Jason Forche, who used to be at Metro mile, and another one of their founders used to so it's a metro mile kind of offshoot. and Jason's a bright guy. So it was just a really good payoff to delivery for the time they started. So congratulations to them. They did a really nice business model um, and it was an easy buy build buy decision, I think.
0: Yeah, Awesome. Great stuff. Thank you, Rob. And uh, thank you, Gloria. Appreciate it. A good discussion on InsurTech, on auto, on uh, the future of commercial. Uh, we we, uh, we spanned the topics today. And I want to thank Gloria for joining us again from the airport, uh, squeezing us into her schedule. And uh, we, of course, appreciate that. And we want to thank you for joining us for the InsurTech Geek Podcast. This has been powered by JB Knowledge at jbknowledge.com. All about technology is transforming and disrupting the insurance world. I've been your host, James Benham. This is jamesbenham.com, along with my co-host, Rob Galbraith. That's end of endofinsurance.com. Big thanks to Jim Greenley, our podcast producer, and Kara Dalton, our creative producer. And thank you for joining us. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech. So enjoy the ride and geek out. See you next time.